Welcome to Conversations in the Kitchen. We're Gemma and Paul, two kitchen table entrepreneurs chatting about our journey building our own e-commerce businesses and helping others to do the same. Grab a coffee and join us in the kitchen as we chat about the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, strategies for digital growth, and our approach to building a purpose-driven and sustainable business online. This week on Conversations in the Kitchen, we are chatting all about product pages and we are bringing you some of our top tips and strategies to help improve your product page conversion rate. Morning, Gemma. How are you? Morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not bad. I've got my green tea here. I'm a little bit tired because... um, I've been having one of those weeks of, uh, I've got quite a lot of client projects, um, a few new things in the pipeline that you and I have been working on. And that I've been trying to squeeze in some late nights on one of my passion projects. And um, have been, uh, the last couple of nights have been late ones. working on page optimization so i thought maybe that could uh well i might pick your brains in our podcast actually seeing as you're my go-to guru on all things (laughs) optimization yeah don't laugh the laugh sometimes comes with the oh my god he's trying web optimization techniques (laughs) it was Um, less that and more like what are you actually going to ask me um well well, it, it, it rarely it rarely taxes you too much with, with what I'm trying to do. I think the first thing that I need to ask is, am, am I, do you think I'm optimizing the right pay? Um, but my, re- my reason for this is uh, after, after driving quite, I, th- I think I'm getting quite good at getting traffic to my site and I think it's the right kind of traffic. Yeah. But um, I'm getting quite high bounce rates and at the moment, and I can sort of see in Google Analytics that's starting with the home page. Um, and I've been doing quite a lot of work on. I, I felt like the home page wasn't getting my offer across well enough. And it, it, when I when I sort of went back to it after first build, I could see lots of ways that it could be made stronger. So I've kind of worked on that. But, yeah. but am, am I starting in the right place there? Do you think? Do you think? homepage is the place to start when I'm thinking about optimization? Um, I think homepage is important. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the most important or perhaps there's something else that's equally important, which we can talk about. But, you know, if you think about the homepage, it's like if you had a, a bricks and mortar store, your homepage is your shop windows. So, you know, that's the thing that often will draw people in. It needs to be quite visually pleasing, but it also needs to be quite functional and optimized. But actually, um, there's been a bit of a move in recent years. And I would say the homepage probably comes a little bit further down that funnel when we're looking at e-commerce sites now. And if you're being really effective with your digital marketing and you're using paid advertising, you're using things like Google shop, you're doing your SEO well, you actually will be driving traffic deeper into your site to landing pages, collection pages and product pages. So it's probably the product pages that I would say you want to start to have a look at if you're, um, you know, you're getting traffic to the site, but you're not necessarily keeping them on the site. So you're seeing that bounce rate be a bit higher than you want it to be. So 
I think often product pages aren't given the same attention when it comes to optimization as home pages are, but I really think that's a bit of a missed opportunity and they should be. So yeah, I'd say, you know, homepage, it's always good to optimize that. And maybe, maybe we'll talk about that. And, you know, you can maybe talk about some of the things you've been doing with that in another episode, but I think it's quite good to talk about the product page because I think that'll be the next thing to focus on. Well, you, you very neatly um, turned the slightly deflated expression on my face there. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, I was thinking about the irony of um, my, my, the client project. I'm one of my health and wellbeing clients at the moment. I'm working on a project about uh, optimism. And I, I've, I've actually found that quite a good way to annoy my 10 year old daughter is to be relentlessly optimistic. So in, in that spirit of optimism rather than optimization, I'm, I'm going to file the fact that you've just told me that my last three days of work have been on the wrong page under, Never mind. it's gonna be useful further down the line. And we'll, we'll come back and, when when we've done page podcast first, we can come we can come back and, and look at that then. So I, I will um, I'll put my wrong optimization with my with my optimism optimism there. Um, so so it sounds like my my late nights are just getting underway. So if I'm if I'm gonna think about um, optimizing my product pages. And actually, one of the reasons why I haven't is because there's a lot more of them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think I need to kind of dig into my code a little bit more to play with my page structure on those. And I think maybe when I do get people to the product page, actually, they're working okay. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot more that I could be doing with them. So what, what should I have as my sort of mental checklist then if I'm... Yeah, so I think if you think about the journey that somebody takes when they're making a purchase, you know, we all do it when we're online, we might Google something, um, click on a link, click on a Google shopping ad, and it takes us to that product page. But it's very rare that from that exact moment that we land on that page, we add that thing into our basket and that's it. We check out and we go through that purchase. More often, we might add it to our basket, but then we might go and look at alternatives. We might have a bit of a wander around, you know, check out delivery policies, all of that before we actually get to that point of purchase. So the product page really is something that you want to optimize to make sure that if people aren't adding straight to their basket and checking out, they're not bouncing away from your site to go elsewhere. They're actually going to look at different options on your site, find other relevant products, but they're not bouncing off and going straight to your competitors. Um, so when you're thinking about what a product page should look like, first of all, it needs to, you know, it needs to look good. It needs to be visually pleasing. Um, but it needs to have all the right information on there that somebody can instantly get an idea of, is this the right product for me? If it's not, are there alternatives that I can go and have a look at? Um, what, you know, what are the, what's the delivery um, information from this brand? Like, what, what do I need to know? So when we go down that checklist, I would say one of the, the biggest things that people don't do so well on with this is imagery. Um, and it's great, you know, the larger the image are, images are, the better. You should always have more than one image. You want to be able to show, you know, whatever product it is that you're selling, you want to be able to see that in detail because, you know, again, we can't walk into a shop and pick this up. So the imagery has to do that job for us. 
Um, so you want to be able to see the product in use, um, often sort of more lifestyle kind of shots as well as like product shots so that it gives whoever's looking at this that sense that actually this is the product for me. It's going to fit into my life. It's somehow going to improve my life, you know, whatever that product is. Um, video is another really good option here. So if you've got ways to show off the product with video, that works really well. Um, but on a lot of e-commerce sites, you often just see, you know, a very standard, quite often it can be the image that's provided by the manufacturer, or it depends on what your product is and, you know, where you're getting it from. Um, but it can just be a very standard, very static image that doesn't give you any sense of what this product is actually like. So that's the first place that I would definitely say to start with. Okay, so that's another one, um, and, and I've sort of, I suppose I'm attaching it to my product pages, but on my to-do list, I know that I need better product photography, and actually I am a little bit relying on uh, mock-ups from the manufacturers at the moment. But with a lot of products, it's quite a big job to start to um, evolve that imagery. So I know I need to do that, and that's, I, need, I need that a little bit for some of my social media as well as my products and the, the wider customer journey. So I'm going to give myself a sort of, because the product shots I've got are good, but they're not very varied and they're not lifestyle enough. So I can definitely improve them. Yeah. But there's a bit there's a bit of time and investment in that for me then. So are there, are there any kind of quick wins around that as well, where, you know, I've got some basic imagery, going to take a bit longer. What, what else could uh, help optimize in the meantime? Um, so the other thing when, you know, you're thinking about imagery and it is difficult, it's difficult for a lot of people at the moment because we're not able to take, you know, have photo shoots and do a lot of the things that we like to do. So that, our, that is our, something. Our lifestyle is locked in a small concrete room. Exactly. Um, so it is, a, you know, that is harder, but it's definitely something to consider when we've got the opportunity to. Um, so once you've got imagery sorted, the other thing to think about is product descriptions. And again, this is, this is always a bit of a stumbling thing, I think, because um, it's, your product description it's really important that you're giving the person viewing it as much information to help them make a purchase decision as you possibly can so you don't want to be using the same descriptions if you've got lots of products that are very similar you don't want to be just using the same descriptions and tweaking them slightly you want to make each one quite engaging um, be very clear on you know what's included what's not included um, ways to use your product um, if there, you know, if there's anything like um, if the color might vary, depending on, you know, just make everything super clear. So that basically whoever's looking at it doesn't need to ask any questions. They know what they're going to get. They're not going to be disappointed when the thing turns up because it's exactly what they're expecting. But they're also they've got enough information that they're not going to think, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to go and look for something else on Google and head straight to your competitor who's got a lovely product description that gives them all that information. So I think it's really important to be very clear on that. And pricing, be really, really super clear on pricing. Make it really prominent so that as soon as somebody lands on that product page, they can see the price of the product. They know whether it's within their price range or not. And, you know, instantly have an idea about whether it's what they want. Um, I'd also say delivery information is a really good one to have quite prominent within the product description as well. So whilst you'll have your delivery policy somewhere on your website, just having that information very clear on the product page again, so that you're not expecting that potential customer to go off and look for it elsewhere. They've got all that information that they need to make that decision. 
right in front of them. Okay, that's really helpful. And again, I'm sort of, I have done quite a lot of work on making my, what you've told me there is actually going to make me, I'm going to go and spend some time and sort of do a bit of benchmarking and look at how other people describe similar products and what kind of information is always sort of what the information hierarchy is I suppose um pricing I need to have a think about I think one of the weaknesses of my template is that the, the price is sort of stuck in one particular part of the page so yeah. I might explore if there's other uh, any way I can play with that and well that's terrible isn't it I'm, I'm scratching my head without looking I can't remember I know the delivery information is on the website, but is it on the product page? So that's that, that would be one. I could easily, if that might help, just aid conversion a little bit. That's quite a quick job for me to go through everything and add that, add that field in and make that more prominent. Um, yeah, and I think, I think the internet went slightly weird there, but um, I think with that as well, it's often overlooked a little bit. It can often be quite hidden. So it might be on the product page, but it's on like a tab that you've got to expand out or you've got to scroll really far down the page. So again, it's just thinking about that journey and think, thinking about if you were a customer and you land on a website, what's important to you? You know, you don't want to have to scroll through a whole load of stuff to find that one bit of information about whether it deliver, you know, it can be delivered to your country or your area or how much delivery is going to cost or whether you can return it if it's not right. Make sure all of that information is further up the page so that when someone lands on it, they've got that straight away. And then if you want to put other, you know, additional information, you can, but make sure that stuff is further up towards the top. Yes, good. So there's a lot of you know common sense retail stuff there really around you know making sure people know what they're getting with words and pictures really is is the yeah. summary so it's very kind of getting my copywriting skills out to make sure that um it's a kind of clear proposition for each product i suppose and nothing's hidden and it's all explained um any any other tricks around i don't know I was half expecting you to go off into more kind of technical wizardry about your call to action always needs to be at exactly this point on the page or um, the, the, the headline size needs to be this and the um, subhead size needs to be this. And any, any more sort of web design sort of stuff that I should be aware of? Um, so I think call to action is a good one. I think, again, um, I've definitely seen e-commerce sites where, you know, you're reading the product information, you're reading the description, the delivery information's there. But then in order to actually get the thing in your basket, it's not as obvious as it could be. So you want that call to action. You want that, you know, add to basket, buy now, whatever it is, button that you have to be, again, fairly high up on that page so you always I would say you always want it above the fold so you don't want people to have to scroll down to find it it's there on that initial um, page and the other thing to think about with all of this as well is making sure it's optimized for mobile um, because you know more and more purchases happen on the phone that we have in our hands so again if it's one of those things where your template doesn't translate very well to the mobile experience that's something that I'd suggest having a look at um, but definitely keeping call to action quite high up. And then I think, again, it's just making that, you know, making pricing quite prominent, whether that's moving where it is on the page, making it in a bigger font, making it in a different color, whatever it is to just help that stand out. They're the two things that I would say 
from a slightly more technical perspective to sort of consider when you're looking at the design and you know consider that if you are just starting out and you're looking at things like Shopify templates or you're working with a Shopify designer consider those things if you've already got one then it means possibly you might have to go and do a little bit of fiddling about the code or you know get somebody that can help you to do that um but it's definitely I think worthwhile doing Okay, and yes, I did. I had to breathe in slightly there and uh, re revive my optimism when you t you told me that I've got to get multiple images, lifestyle images, all of the benefits of the product, the delivery information, and optimize for mobile in 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 one small window. So, um, but you're right that a lot of, a lot of that can be template driven, can't it? I think I do I do think with uh, my product pages, I might have to get a a little bit of code work done on my on my product page layouts, um, but they do optimize quite well for mobile. So there is that's not an excuse either. I think there's some stuff I can do before that to make them yeah. stronger. Um, often, anything often... else? So there's images, copy, call to action. Um, Anything else that's a real kind of persuader when it comes to getting things in baskets and getting baskets bought? Yeah, so I think there's probably a couple of other things to consider. Um, I think the first is any kind of reviews, testimonials, any sort of social proof that you have. Um, that's often, you know, again, if you're thinking about it and you're thinking about your own sort of purchasing and you're looking at products, you, you want to know what other people's opinions are. And sometimes that's more important than the actual product description can be so you know if you're a brand that's just starting out and you haven't got much of this yet then fine that's something to work towards but if you you know if you have and you get feedback from customers then make sure you've got those on there um you don't need to have every review but you know if you've got four out of five stars or five stars and then there's a link for people to go into those reviews in more detail brilliant because again it's just building that trust with that customer and helps them make that purchasing decision and know that actually you're a trustworthy brand, so they don't need to go and look for your competitor. Um, so anything, you know, anything you've got like that, I know with your project that you're talking about, it's quite a, um, it's more of a like fashion art type based project um, and getting sort of pictures of, you know, your customers wearing your products. Again, that's really good. There's a lot of good apps out there if you are using something like Shopify that allow you to bring in people's Instagram pictures if they're tagging you in hashtags because they're wearing your product or they're using your product so again it's just it's bringing that social proof in um, and just letting people know that you know you are a trustworthy brand and your your products are exactly what you are saying in your product description or showing in all your lovely images that you've got so I think that's an important one um, and then again it's that you know if someone's landing on the product page they're not necessarily buying it straight away they might be continuing their journey but you want them to do that on your site rather than bouncing away so having things like related products alternative products um similar items you might be interested in because the chances are they're going to want to look at other things in the same category that you have or you know maybe something that's the same product but in a different design or a different colorway or you know however you've got your products organized on your site make sure you're giving people an option they don't have to go and find where your other products are or your collection pages are because you've made it very easy for them somewhere on that product page to continue their journey 
Okay, interesting. Because again, there's I'm sort of making I'm both making a list and sort of roughly putting it in order in my head, I think. And you're right for me. Um, going straight to reviews is a bit tricky because just just that that feels a little bit further down the line with volume and another thing that I'm working on is getting some images of sort of the makers wearing their garments and uh, buyers wearing them but that's going to take a bit of time I think um, it's interesting because we I mean we spend a lot of our time don't we sort of it's finding the apps and the tools that can help with this but it's also working out if you can adapt them in the right way to your type of product or your brand or so I think there's a, maybe a bit of research for me to do to sort of try and think if I want reviews or product imagery what what might help me incorporate that into my Shopify build without that being bespoke coding and whether there's apps that I can adapt to do that because it's a, it's a little bit different to how it might work some somewhere else um, but what I think I can look at a bit more quickly is building kind of suggested other items into the page uh, and that, that feels because I've, I've got that content I've got the products and I agree you know you always it's just it's always good web design isn't it that if someone is going to go somewhere else then try and get them where you want them before they go somewhere completely else yeah. so giving them giving them other options is is always good and I have a lot of um, the product variants display very well but I haven't yeah. got a tool to sort of show other if you like that you might like this kind of thing and actually I buy a lot of stuff like that myself I quite often shop and kind of it's not the first thing I see but the second or third suggestion often does kind of get closer to what what yeah. I wanted and if you think about you know if you were in a brick and mortar shop quite often you know if you are shopping for something like a t-shirt you you pick up a few and you walk around with them and you might go and try them on and you don't just pick the first t-shirt that you see and that's you know that does happen sometimes I guess but it's rare you you wander to different areas you know if you're in a department store you go to different brands within that if you're in just a one brand store you you wander around and you look and you look at is there something that's going to go with this t-shirt you know thinking about it as you're walking around do I have anything I can wear with it at home it's and it's that exact same thing and it's replicating that experience for a customer online because the buying habits don't change um so it's you know it's how do you allow that journey to continue for that customer and they can explore that and you know it might be they look at other t-shirts but then they also want to know do you sell anything else that goes with these t-shirts so just make it very clear on those product pages and use those product pages almost as a landing page to continue that journey I think I, I love that. Uh, as you know, one of my passions is thinking about the psychology of retail and how shopping works and, and stuff like that. I talk with my graduate students a lot about how um, I think I think retail marketers are often some of the smartest marketers because they're just you know, they're constantly thinking about how do people think, how do people buy, how do you get them from one point of interestingness to, to another. And I think that's absolutely right. And often, actually, I think... For me, it's often by trying on or checking out two or three other things, it makes you realise that the first thing you found, you realise how much you like that after all. Or you, you, you yeah. know, it just, just helps you validate your decision, even if it doesn't take you somewhere else. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be busy, aren't I? Um, <laughs> you are, uh, but 
I think it's worth remembering that this is something, you know, you don't have to do it all overnight. And, and ideally what you want to be doing all the way through this process is looking at your analytics and thinking about, okay, I've, you know, I've made my imagery look a bit better. Am I seeing the results of that? Well, I'm not. Okay. So what else do I need to do? And it's constantly looking at that. You know, you want to be looking at that bounce rate. You want to be looking at what other pages people are going on to look at from that original product page. And of course you want to be looking at, you know, am I getting the right traffic in are things like my ads working are things like my SEO working. So it's, it's a lot to do, but it's a lot to do in sort of stages and constantly you're, testing you're and learning. Me that my, my teeny tiny small steps are good because I can, I can test each one and, and yeah. uh, it, it's not slowness. It's a test and learn strategy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we talk a lot in, in the kitchen about how every business is different. And this is a, these are some kind of standard practices to put into place, but they are going to vary for different people and different brands and, you know, different types of customers and different types of products. So you always want to be just because somebody says this is how it works for their brand. You know, you always want to be testing that and actually learning from it and then seeing if you need to adapt it a bit more. So yeah, little small steps, just get them done. Good. Well, I better switch from green tea to coffee now and go, <laughs> go and start looking at product review apps. Um, good. Well, let's go and get on with our day. Yep. You've been listening to Conversations in the Kitchen with us, Gemma and Paul from In the Kitchen. Be sure to subscribe in your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a small business with big purpose who wants to grow your e-commerce revenue, click the link in our show notes.